Hey guys, welcome and welcome back to So Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the Golden Age of Primetime. I'm your host, Chet, and we're viewing and reviewing the soapiest, sudsiest primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's time for Season 3, Episode 11. Starting off this week with Dallas. We're going to see if that mastectomy energy is carried on into the new episode. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids to play outside or out of sight. Tell Bay no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25-35 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot. You can be cool, you can be quiet, or you will be kicked out. Watching our stories, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soapman. Hello, gorgeous. I hope you are doing well. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. I'm doing good. I could be better. It is hot as fish grease outside. I hope you are cooler than a fan wherever you are. Man, I feel like a 1970s disc jockey just now. <laughs> cooler than a fan, hotter than a nice cube. Whatever they would say. We are back for another week of soap opera vintage realness. Hope your week is going well. We're gonna jump right in. I've got quite the laundry list of things to do this week. So let, let's do this. Season three, episode 11. So far, if I'm being honest, comparing apples to apples, all three seasons have a very strong showing. There seems to be more chaos on Dynasty. Falcon Crest is slowly building up to something which we already know. If FC is in the building, they're going to write a story. They're going to draw out characters. They're going to give us twists and turns we weren't expecting. I am enjoying all of it. We've got Julia a little bit drugged out. We've got Emma bold enough to, you know, she's got a job. She's going after a man. We've got a new Pop-Tart in town. The Bad Girls Club is reassembling. It is looking really good across all Western fronts. Dallas is lagging a little bit, but you know what we're getting deeper into? It's a little less drama. It's a little more family drama, which I like because these people honestly don't talk to each other. I was thinking about it this weekend and I was like, okay, you know who your enemies and friends are on Dynasty. You know who your enemies and friends are on Falcon Crest. Everybody's family across the board. But on Dallas, they don't really communicate that way. So you don't really know. You know that there's this beef that they're trying to to dredge up between the Barnes and the Ewings. But that is only about money. I'm talking about the beefs within the house. You got Lucy feels a way about her grandmother getting cancer. She's worried about herself. Her mom and dad, I, I again, I don't think you would bring these people up unless they were going to come back for some reason. You got Valvoline popping up, you know, digging her heels in with JR. You got JR having an affair with Sue Ellen's little sister. It's just this show is, I mean, there's enemies, but they don't ever talk to each other about it. It's like, it's an open secret and everybody, you know, bites their tongue and bides their time. So hopefully as this season progresses, it's going to start popping off. I was also reminded by someone who I had to quickly, don't, don't, don't talk. This is the season JR gets shot. I can think of eight reasons off the top of my head right now to bust a calf in him. Who's going to do it? I don't know. I think it's going to be someone in his family. I have also kind of had to think about that. This is probably one of the biggest moments in television history. And the fact that I don't know who did it and I'm not going to look into it, I think I'm going to carry that on. Even when we get to that episode, I don't think I'm going to 
blow up their spot unless I have to for the next season than it is what it is. After all, you choose to be here and trust me, I don't take your choice for granted. All right, grab something cool. I am once again reduced to a rando drink. I'm drinking Gatorade, which I, oh, (sighs) I'm old enough to remember very vaguely for a very brief moment in time when Gatorade came in a glass bottle and there weren't as many flavors. Now there's more, there's better flavors, but I've always thought that Gatorade tasted like sweat, but I was outside this morning, y'all, at 8 a.m., and it was already 85 degrees, so I'm staying extra hydrated. I'm going to put my pride aside, and I'm going to drink this sweat, but I'm going to be classy about it. I have it in a beautiful Mexican glass over ice with a metal straw because because I'm a lady, after all. But you do you. You grab something refreshing, grab something comforting, grab a little snacky poo, do what you need to do, and let's jump in to Season 3, Episode 11 of Dallas which I actually don't know the name of. Hold on just one moment. Oh. Sorry. (laughs) That was a longer than usual pause. I was like, I don't see it. They changed the format on here. So, of course, I I struggled to read it. But this one is called The Heiress. The synopsis reads as follows. Lucy decides that Alan is a man for her after she witnesses him standing up to JR without knowing it was a fight staged by the... T dot dot dot. Now, I don't know who Alan is. Alan might be that lawyer that I haven't really talked a lot about. If you're watching with me in real time, you know who he is. I can't think of who that is. Alan is one of those names. You could be you could be Alan Andrew. I don't I don't know who you are. Keep me up with three different soap operas at this point. Anyway, let's jump into season three, episode 11 of Dallas, the heiress. I'll tell you what. Do not have a birthday party on a vintage primetime soap opera. It's going to go to hell in a handbasket within two to three minutes. So the opening scene is JR on the phone. He's making a reservation. And first thing I notice is that side chick, what's her name? Swellen's baby sister, Kristen. Side chick Kristen is starting to catch feelings. She feels a way about not being invited. You are the side chick. Know your place. This is disappointing to me because she's raised to be that just that. You're either raised to be a wife who ignores or you're raised to be a side chick who implores. She don't know how to do either. She's she's pandering. She's, you know, looking for affection. He's never going to give that to her. Turns out the restaurant reservation he's making is for Jock's birthday party. So the whole family's there. They're vibing. Jock is enjoying his day when suddenly Alan, who I guess is the lawyer after all, I'm going to continue to call him Euphoria. Euphoria comes strolling up and he's wearing this Barnes for Congress button. He's got a couple people with him and he makes a speech like, I need to let you know something, Jock. I'm still employed by Il Na 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 and JR and him get into a spat, like a physical spat at dinner in front of God and everybody in Dallas. And Lucy is looking at this and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, he's such a man, whatever. He's cute. He's, I don't know how old he is. I don't think, people don't seem to care about age back in the day. It makes me feel very weird, but I have to understand this is the time. In real life, she's, she's 18. So, I mean, she can date whomever she wants, but she's immediately like, dang, he's fine. I can't believe he came over here. They had like a physical fight, like a physical fight. According to the synopsis, it was all stage which makes sense but I just can't figure out why that would be important 
So going forward, Alan, the lawyer's name will be, his name is Euphoria. Euphoria is Alan. Alan is Euphoria. Also, if you hear noise in the background, remember that it is summer in the U.S. and my kids are home and them and their friends are having some intense battle on the video games. I'm a disgrace to my generation. I, I did the Mario Kart. I did all the things in my youth. I don't have Candy Crush. I don't have any games on my phone. I seem to be one of like four older millennials who don't have that. But if you hear any ruckus in the background, that's what it is, baby. This is where we live. They're doing that. I'm enjoying my soaps. They are playing out of sight, if you will. Quick reminder that I am watching all of these wonderful shows on the Amazon Prime app. Now, I am paying for Dynasty. However, Dallas and Falcon Crest are free, with the exception of a few commercials. 90 seconds, I think twice or three times. No big deal. I hope you join me on the freebie app and watch this. And you know what? Let me reach out to them. Let me get some sponsorships. This is crazy. But... <laughs> My kids are going crazy. I'm so sorry, y'all. Uh, the the family tension, as I spoke of before, is just really bubbling up. There's tension between Sue Ellen, um, Sue Ellen and Jock, uh, not Jock, JR. Apparently, there was an article written in the paper about the fight, and it's the paper's like, yo, if Jock had never stepped in, JR and this guy would have had this whole, they went to fisticuffs, as we call it here. Then... You've got a little bit of tension at breakfast. Everybody's looking at Jr. and Sue Ellen because she's going to see her therapist. He's just, he's a, he's a, a meddler. I don't know what you call him. He pokes at her. You know what I'm saying? Every time she shows up, he pokes at her. But then there was this moment between Jock and Ellie. Jock is trying his very best to reassure, El reassure Ellie that she's got his eyes. He's like, oh, you were the most beautiful girl in the restaurant tonight, Ellie. I just miss the way we used to be, and she's not feeling it, y'all. Something's going on with her arm. It, it looks like a stroke to me. Like, I've seen a couple of older people with strokes back in the day. Back in the day, one of mine, I suppose she would have been, I, I, y'all, I am black. Back in the day, in black culture, you don't call people, if they're not your mom or dad or auntie, if they're an adult, respectfully, it's miss or auntie. So this lady was, at, she might have actually been an aunt. I don't know who she was to me, but she definitely had, she'd suffered a stroke years before and her arm was just kind of situated under her breast. And I'm seeing the exact same thing with Ellie. So I'm wondering if she's, I don't know, like she can move her hand, but it seems like the actress probably had some sort of accident and they wrote it in as a mastectomy. That's just my guess. Once the season is over, I'll look into it. I just don't want to. It's hard to look into information about this show. I think I'm going to start reaching out. I'm going to reach out to other people who've done a podcast on this and just see, get their opinions about it because I don't want to dig up anything. It will reveal too much of the season to me. And I actually don't want that. But Ellie is not having it. She just, she hears a baby cry. She goes to take care of the baby. She's not, she's like distant for some reason. As you can see, it's a, it's a little bit quieter now because I remembered the vintage soap opera viewer creed. You got to play outside or out of sight. You got to be cool. You got to be quiet or you got to be kicked out. Didn't kick my children out, but we had an interesting talk. Listen, I'm a fair woman, but I got to get my soaps in. So anyways, I want to talk about this Ewing Barnes feud which I've ne I mean, I've bought, but not really. I didn't think it'd be three seasons long. 
there's a conversation between Bobby and Pam. They're walking down the road and they want to get away. You know, they want to just, you know, they need time for each other. Pam says she didn't want to go to Austin and watch Bobby destroy her brother, which is a very fair assessment. Bobby's speech is like, listen, your brother is out of control. He's got all our family's money tied up. We can't really do anything. He's got our hands tied. He's got to be stopped. And her conversation to him is like, well, he says the same thing about you. I see it both ways. I'm not sure. As much as I love my husband, as much as I love my son, my baby brother, I, I wouldn't just, I couldn't hear a bunch of foolishness about my brother. Husband or not, I'm not really trying to hear that and vice versa. I'm not really trying to hear a lot of foolishness from my brother about my husband. This is a strange situation and it bothers me so much because it's like, Bobby, you know how crooked your family is. Say what you will, do what you must, but do not carry on as if your family is squeaky clean. How many times has he caught his brother red-handed at this point? How many times has he found something contrary to the truth? Every freaking episode. We are, I forgot how many deep, but dude, season three, episode 11, you know who your brother is, what he's doing. You know that he's finagling Cliff. You know he's going to destroy What's going to happen to your marriage? This is horrible. I'm starting to think Bobby and she, Bobby and and, um, Pam won't make it. But I mean, as far as TV goes, they don't, they don't seem to do anything other than, than argue. And then they disappear for a few days. They need to bring the heat. I get more, uh, more chemistry, honestly, from Jr. and Sue Ellen, even though she can't stand them. She's in her, her doctor's office talking about how <sighs> every time she looks at the baby, all she sees is Cliff and Jr. and how they used her. Even though she loves the baby, it's like it's put up a wall between her ability to give affection to the kid and move on with her life. She has options. She just doesn't know what to do. This is a horrible family to be stuck in. And Lucy, y'all, Lucy went over to uh, to see Euphoria. And she made a contribution to the Cliff Barnes campaign trail. Now, this seems innocent enough. However, it seems like Jr. is on some sort of layaway plan, a.k.a. I'm not really going to pay you. He's He's dragging Euphoria along. Like, hey, aren't you supposed to pay me more? Blah, blah, blah. It's thickening up. I'm, I love that this episode is actually pushing boundaries with the, the, the family's relationships because you, you couldn't really tell before. They were just quietly accepting of each other. But now we get to see, okay, who who's friend, who's foe? Bobby's still protecting his family, even though he knows they're scumbags. Pam is still protecting her brother, even though she knows he's not he's not squeaky clean. But I feel like she holds him to the fire more than she holds her own husband to it. Lucy is being Lucy. She is teaching us how to be a bad girl. She's talking about she's she's grounded, which is weird to me. After 18, I, I just can't imagine you grounding anybody. But I guess if you live at home, that's that's the thing. I don't know about that. But we're moving right along. Only oh guys, we're only 14 minutes into the episode. I'm going to shut my mouth and come back towards the end just to get a little more context. Oh, This is a monumental moment for me, ladies and gentlemen, soap fiends and newbies alike. If you are a Gen Z, I, God, I admire a lot about you guys, but I have to say you have missed out on one of the oldest tricks in the book. One of the things we don't do as much. Now, I understand 
as girls, as women, men listening to this, this is going to be news to you. We are innate. We have this innate ability to, we're looking out for each other. We go to the bathroom together. We, <laughs> we coordinate outfits. We do all sorts of things together as a community. But my Gen Xers, my millennials, my very, very early Zs, you understand the absolute pressure and talent required to do what I call a, or a hat trick with the phone. Uh, w- let me explain. So Lucy, as you remember, she's 18 years old, but she's grounded because she has three tickets, three speeding tickets. The last time she was brought home, she was brought home by the police. So Jacques has forbid her to go anywhere outside of school and home. Now, what do you do? This doesn't work unless you have a landline. On your cell phone, it doesn't really matter. Text doesn't really matter. You need a landline in order to pull this off. And we've all done this. Dare I admit this on this podcast? My friend and I, my friend, let's call her Alice. Back in high school, she was one of the first people to have a flip phone, like a razor phone. First ones. And she had a class at, at a certain time. I had a class at a certain time. Sometimes I would take over her phone and I would call the school and say, hey, this is Alice's mother. She needs to be released at blah, blah, blah. And she'd do the same for me. This is before... I mean, yes, there was caller ID, but it didn't really matter at this point. People weren't that savvy. It was just, oh my gosh, there was so much freedom. You could call and pretend to be your friend's mother if she got in trouble in school. You could, back in the day, we, listen, we knew how to forge handwriting. I was signing my own report card since like the sixth grade. This is the difference, y'all. This is why I know I'm that kind of tweener. The early millennials understand this because we're more like the later Gen X's. We were cooking for ourselves at seven, six years old. We were babysitting ourselves at that same age. The phone Ponzi scheme, the whole, the rabbit trick, the, or excuse me, the hat trick, oh, it just brought back such memories. So Lucy, she can't go anywhere. What you do is you have your best friend call. You have to get the nerdiest friend. You have to get a friend who has a reputation as being a good girl. This is why you need to have a multitude of people in your arsenal. You can't only hang out. Bad girls only hang out with bad girls. Bad girls hang out with good girls because you need a good girl's good reputation to cover your badness. And that's what Lucy does. She calls up her goodest of good girls, homies. And she's like, listen, you're going to call back in 10 minutes and you're going to say X, Y, Z. Okay. And the friend is nervous. She's freaking out. Lucy's like, don't even trip. This is what you're going to do. So Lucy hangs up and she, as she knows, she needs Jock to hear the phone ring because that way he knows that she didn't call the girl. This is important. When the phone rings, she's like, oh yeah, well, you know how my grandpa is. She, She needs to be just loud enough that Jock hears her. Okay. So that way he's believing it. Then when he, she's like, okay, well, here, talk to my grandpa. She passes the phone. Girl number one is on the phone talking to Jock. And she's like, I just really need Lucy. I'm trying to figure out this trigonometry X, whatever the class is. I really need her help. And Jock is going to be okay with this because this is the good girl. Good girls will allow you the, the gateway for you to be bad. Gosh, I just don't know how kids do it nowadays. I don't want to know because I have kids of my own. But I remember this. We would call ourselves out of school. Mind you, we were pretty good girls at this point. Weren't doing anything crazy. All we wanted to do was go to Walmart and buy makeup. 
But I definitely, my senior year of high school, I called myself out more times than I care. I've signed more permission slips for myself, for myself than I ever have for my children. (laughs) That's because I started early. And we had that whole, God, like we just, the internet wasn't a thing. I mean, it was a thing, but not everybody had it. And even if they did, we weren't using it the way we use it now. So, dude, how do girls do it today? How do you how do you do a hat trick? A hat trick being there's a rabbit in the hat. You make it disappear. Lucy has something she needs to make disappear. And the good girl's reputation is basically the magic wand, the abracadabra that's going to release her from her thing. Man, this brought back memories. Do y'all remember that? Have you ever had someone call, like one of your friends call and pretend to be a teacher to tell your parents how good you're doing when you're failing a class? Or have you had your friend call a teacher pretending to be your parent? Sixth grade, I'm pretending to be my mom so that my choir teacher didn't tell her how much of a nightmare I was being. And I was a good kid. Oh my gosh. Memories, memories, my first touch of nostalgia on this show. Dare I say it? I think Terry is side piece number three on Dallas. There's a scene with Euphoria. He is making out with some blonde broad. And she's like, oh, something about the hors d'oeuvres. Dude, I think that's Auntie Terry. One thing I've noticed is that I have seen Andrew Lawyer in another soap opera. I've seen, uh, let's see, Julia's husband as Farouk Ahmed's older brother. They are, it's a small circle, this, this vintage soap opera, whatever. The pool is very shallow. I think that's Terry, y'all. Circa 1979, kissing all up on euphoria while Lucy waits outside the door in her cheerleading outfit. Now, she's a college cheerleader. I, I don't know anything about that. I don't think they wear their, that's always bothered me on TV. Have you ever noticed that? Saved by the Bell, any other show. The cheerleaders wear their uniforms every day. On Glee, they wear their uniforms every day. And I'm like, that's unrealistic, A. Monday through Thursday during football season, basketball season, you wouldn't wear it every day. But for on for whatever reason on television, they wear it every single day. Lucy leaves practice and she decides to go over to Euphoria's apartment after she caught he and JR in a park. She She's on her stalker bit. That's another thing. Lucy is not a... That's a bad girl for you. She ain't afraid to get her hands dirty. So she stalks him quietly. She she trails him as he drives over to JR. And suddenly they're at this park. They're shaking hands. It's clear that they're, they're buddies. And she's like, oh my God. But then she goes to cheerleading practice and she has a change of heart. And then she goes over to his apartment to see what's up. I'm going to look up Auntie Terry on freaking Falcon Crest to see if she's the same girl who is side piece number three on season three, episode 11 of Dallas. Now let Euphoria tell it. Side piece number three has nothing to worry about. Sort of. He's looking at the, he's looking at the table before him and he's like, listen, I've got JR on the hook now. His little niece is definitely going to be worth something. So I need to play this just so. I'm going to string her along for as long as I can. But honey, please understand, it'll change our lives. You're the only one for me, blase, blase. She leaves in tears, of course, because she's side piece number three. Immediately after that, Euphoria gets on the phone. He calls up JR and he's like, hey, 
our not so our secret meeting yesterday was not so secret. Your little niece saw everything. Actually, she didn't know everything. She she caught them basically. So Jr. was like, "Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. well, well, I'll take care of it." Jr. is from the old school, so he knows all about that trick on the telephone too. So he does a little tricking of his own. So the next morning, Jr. pretends to be on a phone call. He Make sure he sees Lucy coming down the stairs and he talks just loudly enough for her to hear as she enters the dining room. He's like, yeah, that Alan character looks like he's he's on Cliff Barnes team. So he's got to go. We're we're no good. I told him off yesterday. Everything's horrible. He's got to go. So she gets all dreamy in the eyes. You know, she gets all, oh, my gosh. Wow, this is beautiful. Never mind the fact that she saw what she saw. She saw them shaking hands. She saw them laughing with one another and all that. Then Euphoria does a little stalking of his own, finds her at school and tells her all of a sudden he's confessing his love for her. You're the only girl for me. I'm an open book for you. Let's let's get out of here and go somewhere private. And we get our first chest naked scene from Euphoria. He takes Lucy back to his wood paneled apartment where they lay in bed eating fruit, tells her everything's wonderful. And she's like, well, you know, that's not, that's great, Alan. But what about that girl I saw you with, the girl I saw you with in his apartment, mind you, that she showed up to unannounced. He's like, oh, don't even worry about her. She's nobody now. It's all about me and you, baby. Then he speaks the only truth he's going to tell her. I'm going to hold on to you for as long as I possibly can to get the money. He confessed to Aunt Terry that that was his goal. This is a much better inheritance. It's much better than working his butt off for the next umpteen years. Let me go ahead and stay in bed with JR, but then get his niece in bed. And then I can retire or do whatever. That's it. That's all for this one. Poor Lucy. I have been wanting to see more storylines with her. Doesn't seem like she can hold a man very long. They give her a man every, what, nine or ten episodes? holds on to him for about one and then you know he either is older than her and works for parents or he's gay or in this case he's lying and working for her uncle so we'll have to see how that turns out all right guys join me on thursday as we jump into yet another iconic soap remember be good to yourself mind your business stay hydrated stay moisturized and keep all of your drama on tv